Welcome to Sunburnt Country Music, interviews with Australian country music artists. My name is Sophie and I have been interviewing Australian country music artists for over a decade and I still love it. I love their stories, I love their insights and I love their music. So I hope you enjoy hearing from them on this podcast. Matt Malone is a singer and songwriter from Victoria who recently released his third album for the term of My Natural Life with the Holy Spirits. He's also hosted the radio program Hell or High Water on Voice FM in Ballarat for the past 10 years. The album is a collection of seven tales that are somewhat epics in and of themselves and we're going to talk about it. Hi, Matt. How are you going, Sophie? I'm very well, thank you. Been listening to the album quite a few times and giving a lot of thought, absorbing it all, and have listened to some of your previous albums as well. So for this album, though, the album's title and the title song are a reference to the Australian classic for the term of his natural life by Marcus Clark. I'm curious whether that's a book you read for the first time a long time ago or 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 if it's one that you've recently become attached to. Um, so I've always been interested in crime literature um so my first introduction to um that kind of novel about that kind of subject matter i think was when i was about 14 or 15 years old i read crime and punishment by dostoevsky the russian writer from the 19th century and um and uh, i think for the term of his natural life i saw the cover uh in an op shop window when i was during lockdowns in um uh, what was it, 2020, maybe, around that time, because um, I moved back to Ballarat, which is my hometown, um, from Melbourne. And I just remember walking down through the Bridge Mall in Ballarat, and in a Salvo store, they had a copy of For the Term of His Natural Life by Marcus Clark. And I remember seeing the title and looking at the front cover, and I just thought, that looks like a fantastic read. And I thought, that's a fantastic title as well. Um, and when the lockdown seeded, um, because it was kind of different, you know, different structures up there in regional Victoria. So some shops were open that perhaps weren't open in the city. Um, I went in there and I picked it up and I read it and it reminded me a lot actually of Crime and Punishment by Dostoevsky. It was kind of similar themes in there of religion, uh, the idea of, you know, crime, criminality, punishment in general, redemption, all this kind of stuff set amongst the backdrop of, kind of um, the Australian penal colonies of the 19th century. And um, it wasn't a book that I'd read prior to that point, but it certainly had a kind of a big impact and it tied into a lot of the themes and stuff that I've been interested in for quite a long time. Mm -hmm. So just uh, veering away from music uh, briefly to talk about the crime literature. So it sounds like crime fiction, as in fictional literature, is more what you've been interested in rather than true crime. Is that the case? No, I love true crime okay. more than more than crime fiction. I think, like talking about Dostoevsky, he's probably my favourite fictional writer, mm -hmm. um, and I think it came through him in that book because there's a real um, uh, there's a real sense of uh, criminal psychology. And there is, it does feel like a true crime novel in some attribute. Have you read that text, Dostoevsky's Crime? I think crime? I have, but not for a very long time. <laughs> so yeah, okay. I think it might have been a school thing. Yeah, okay. Um, but yeah, kind of that, I think that might have been like a spark into true crime, um, right. which has been more of a preoccupation for me than, than fiction. 
So are we talking about like Truman Capote's In Cold Blood sort of true crime or other sorts of literature? Um, yeah, I've read In, In Cold Blood. I've seen the film uh, with Philip Seymour Hoffman. I thought that was a great adaptation of it with, as Capote. Um, I've been interested in, um, you know, like Charles Manson and stuff mm -hmm. over a long period of time, serial killers more broadly, uh, mass murderers, all that kind of stuff. I could probably go into detail about a lot of that if you'd like me to. <laughs> <laughs> well, I won't. I won't digress us too far from the music, but I'm just interested. I work in publishing by day. That's why I'm asking. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, no, but it also is interesting to think about in the context of your songwriting because, uh, you know, I, I was thinking very much about how you write songs, how you tell stories in songs. I have identified in your songs, I think, over all of them across the three albums, that there is a beginning, middle, and end arc, even when the end is open ended, if that makes sense. Yeah. So it, it, it did suggest to me that you were someone who'd read quite a, you read quite a lot. You read long form as opposed to reading short stories or, or other forms of things, and that you understood story arcs. And so now I have a bit more insight into that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, in regards to songs and reading and stuff and books, like um, one of my favorite songwriters is uh, a bloke called Lou Reed. And mm -hmm. um, are you a fan of Lou Reed and the Velvet Underground? I don't mind him. Yeah, it's like I'm. I'm very keen on Australian artists, Matt. Okay. Put to one side. <laughs> okay. Um, Lou Reed, he had this idea um, in his career of putting the great American novel, like at that time it was kind of put up as Jack Kerouac and those mm. kind of beat writers and stuff, and even prior to that, I guess, Hemingway and William Faulkner. But he had this idea of putting the great American novel, inverted commas, mm. into a three- or four-minute rock and roll song. Okay. And I think for me... When I heard Lou Reed talk about that, I think that that always was an inspiration for me moving forward with the kind of songs that I do, which are very narrative-driven. But, I mean, if I really want to flesh out a song like Unrepentant Thief or Judgment Day on the record, it probably could be a novel or like a, a you know, a short story at least for sure. Yeah, um, I, I was going to ask a question that I think you've possibly answered, which is do you think of the songs as stories before you start writing them or are they songs first? Um, are you, do you want to ask me about my writing process? You mean? Yeah, sure. I, I'm always interested in writing processes and I think a lot of people are generally. It's always good to hear about work, I like to okay. say. Yeah, okay. Um, so songs for me, it's a really, it's a very... Um, it's a really interesting one. It's really hard for me to articulate exactly what songwriting is. It's certainly different to me than um, poetry or um, short story writing that I've engaged with in my life. Um, with songs, I I pick up a guitar. It's very simple. I just pick up an instrument, a guitar, which is the only instrument that I can play. Uh, I come up with a chord progression that I that I seem to enjoy. And something about the way that those chords uh, move amongst each other or there's a certain sound that seems to inspire my imagination or my subconscious um, or something without um, mm -hmm. that kind of just comes through me. So uh, a lot of my songs are written very quickly. I write them usually, you know, 
in 20 minutes, half an hour, try and get them down as quickly as possible. Talking about crime, it's kind of like a a journalist or reporter going to a crime scene and um, trying to report the carnage as quickly as possible so they can get it out for first press in the morning. It's kind of like that. That's how I approach songwriting. It's I really want to get those first impressions um, down as quickly as possible. And it's not something I want to labour over because I (laughs) think with songs, um, it's something that you hear through a a series of a a period of time. So say a song goes for four minutes, it's a four-minute period of time. It's a very short period of time. (laughs) And I think it's... Um, it has to have that immediacy about it. Um, there's a painter, an English painter that I really love called Francis Bacon. Are you familiar with his work? I am, yes. He had this idea of that kind of that first stroke. There's something about the first time that you put paint on canvas that has an immediacy to it and a violence to it and kind of a a, um, a beauty to it. That mm-hmm. um, You have to kind of maintain that energy throughout the rest of the piece. And that's kind of what I do with songwriting. It's not a a laboured thing. It's not something that I think about too much. It's just something that kind of comes out of me. And I try and capture it, bottle it, and record it as quickly as possible. So you said that, yeah, there's something that comes from without um, that that might inspire the song. Does that has that always been your process or is that something that you've learned to trust as time's gone on? That that if that if that inspiration or whatever you want to call it is there, that you should go with it? Um, I think there is, I think that, I think it is a relationship of trust um, on some level. I also think that um, I just, that's just how it's always been done for me and I don't know any different. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of, um, that's just, that's just kind of how it works for me. I know, other people work in a lot of different ways in regards to songs. Um, but for me, it really is something that I think it is a relationship from without and from within. And I think there's something that there's a there's a um there's an engagement or an intercourse that happens there that starts to produce this to produce songs from me. Mm-hmm. You know? if that makes sense at all. Oh, no, no, it does, it does. Uh, so you said, you know, you try to record it as quickly as possible. That's I'm imagining that's a demo recording. When you take it to the studio, is there any kind of editing process at that, st- that stage or is the song that you record pretty much as you've written it originally? Um, no, when I go into recording, everything's everything's kind of uh, done, you know what I mean? Like um, the, the song's been formulated, it's been pretty much set in stone in its skeletal form, which is mm-hmm. acoustic guitar and vocal. Um, and then I build an arrangement around it in the studio with, you know, the musicians on hand or, you know, myself or whatever it might be. Um, but, yeah, like when I was younger, I used to record all of my demos onto cassette tape and I really enjoyed that process because there was something about having to rewind it and bring it back to listen to it and that kind of engagement um, and the waiting in between that kind of always would spark another idea of like, okay, maybe this line will work perhaps in reverse or maybe I should cut this line here. And um, But in regards to the recording process, it all, yeah, it's all pretty much formed, ready to go by the time I get into the studio. Well, that's a very efficient process, I have to say. It's like, it's yeah, but also, again, I think part of what um, 
well, I'm interested in you, as you know, what's without and what's within connecting um, is that it's almost like you've also learned, well, not almost like you've learned to get out of your own way. I think sometimes with when, when there's a creative process, a lot of people can get into their own way and things trip up, they don't flow, but it does seem very much like you have this process where you just you just get out of the way of the idea or get out of your own way so that you can capture it. That's right. I don't, I really, um, even lyrically and, and stuff, like I think a lot of musicians and artists and writers in general uh, in, in my particular profession, they write a lot about themselves and there's a lot of um, themselves in their work, their personal lives and these types of things. And I think that's in my work to a certain degree, but I always usually um, kind of, I wouldn't say mask it, but I would say that if there's any of me, it's coming through the characters that are in my songs or through the stories in my songs. It's not, it's always indirectly uh, about myself. It's never um, really directly as it were mm. um, because I've, I just don't think I'm that interesting to hear about, first of all, from a, from a listener's perspective. And um, I just, uh, I think it's an older type of, of songwriting as well that I've always been attracted to. I think someone like Leonard Cohen, for example, I think he talks a lot about himself in songs to a certain degree, but he does it through mythology, through his relationships with women. It's always kind of, um, it's always uh, finding yourself from from through the other. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I think that's a very, um, it's, I think it's an older way to go about um, songwriting, but I also think it's also a more, perhaps more spiritual way to go about it as well. Yeah. Well, it, it, to an extent, it is about being of service to the listener. If you're telling stories that are not directly about you, if you're trying to find a way to communicate the human experience, which I think yeah. is what you're getting at as well, then yeah, to an extent, that is about service. Um, you mentioned uh, at the, towards the start about themes that you're interested in in your work and you know finding some of those in in fiction that you've been reading or in, bo in books that you've been reading generally. So what are those themes? The themes that I draw from? Yeah, or that you're interested in your writing. So whether you draw from them or you're wanting to draw them out in your own songwriting. Um, like I say, I think a lot of what I write about comes from does come from uh, a subconscious kind of space. So I don't think that the themes are always something that I'm consciously trying to um, uh, bring into the work necessarily. Um, uh, but I think the themes that I that I seem to be constantly um, uh, attracted to or channeling through my through my work is you know themes of um, redemption, of betrayal, um, themes of violence. And grace, um, I think it's really hinged on these extremities between kind of um, evil and um, and and uh, and love. Um, and I think I'm constantly straddling that in the songs on this record in particular. Mm -hmm. And as I go forward with a lot of the songs I've been writing lately, I think that's even become even more focused and intense. And I think that as human beings, we we traverse that line and we struggle with that throughout our lives, um, kind of walking that line, as Johnny Cash would say, walking <laughs> the line 
between um, good and evil. Mm. Yeah, I think grace is a is a subject that's underexplored, perhaps, but definitely can be five small moments in everyday life, and perhaps. Yeah, perhaps it's hard to document, which is why it doesn't come up very often. But, yeah, more an acknowledgement than a question. But I should take you back to the actual songs on this album, and I will take you back to the title song. Uh, so when did you, uh, oh, I should say, was it the first song you wrote the album? For the term of my natural life, was it the first song yeah, I wrote? Yeah, was the title song the first song that you wrote for the album? No, the first song I wrote for the record was actually The Stranger, Okay, uh, which is the third song on the record because I wrote, I was actually going to give up music entirely um, prior to this record coming out, um, but my um, my partner kind of encouraged me to just keep writing and to produce something during the the pandemic. She felt like it would be a good um, you know opportunity for me and just to kind of channel a lot of the negative experiences I've been through over a long period of time prior to the pandemic as well. Um, but I was living in a share house in in Melbourne um, just before the pandemic hit and I was working on some songs and nothing was really catching my ear much. Nothing was really working for me. They were kind of really wordy songs. Um, and um, I remember her saying to me, she just said to me flat out, she just said, look, man, these are great, but why don't you try something a little bit more simple? And I took that as a challenge and um, the stranger came out of it. And um I think that's a song on the record that I'm uh, that kind of set the tone for everything else that kind of followed on the album. Mm-hmm. Um, in regards to, I think it really is a evolution of my writing from my previous work. Mm-hmm. I think it's, um, and I think there's a lot more focus and a lot more kind of intent in these songs moving forward. And I think the stranger was the one that kind of really kicked that off. Right. So you said you were going to give up on music. Did you feel like you had nothing left to give music or it had nothing left to give you? Ah, um, I felt like after what I'd been through, the negative experiences I had up to that point and kind of deciding to take a real kind of 90-degree angle on how my life had been running at that stage, um, I just thought, I kind of gave up everything else. So I just thought, look, maybe I should give up music. I've been doing music now for 15 years, you know, since I was a teenager or whatever. And I just thought it's not really moving into the places that I'd like it to move into. And it was also bringing me into a lot of situations where I was engaging in some of my, um, I guess, my more uh, devilish side of myself, I could say. Um, And the temptations were always very present. Um, for certain types of uh, recreational uh, behaviour that I enjoyed. Um, so I was really thinking, of yeah, just giving it away and moving on to another phase of my life. Because I think you I think you have to come to a point, I think at some stage, where you, you have to make a decision. You know, what do you really want to do with your life? What is of great, great service in your life to commit your life to? Is music something that, has a utility that's actually really helping people in the world. And can you do that through music? Because I felt like that was something that, as a human person, something that um, I wanted to find an answer to. Am I actually being useful and helpful and contributing in a positive way um, 
to humanity, I guess, on a just on a one-to-one local level. And um, my partner kind of was the one who just said to me, look, mate, you, you've got, you know, I reckon you should just keep doing music. Just put out one more record and see how it goes. Um, so I just chiseled away at it and um, it took a long time to get this record finished and to finally put it out. But um, I'm kind of I'm kind of glad that I, I did stick to music. And I, I think in some capacity, Sophie, sometimes you feel like you have a choice, mm-hmm. but I don't sometimes I don't think that you do. It's kind of like you have a calling and it's gonna get you in the end. Do you know what I mean? No matter yeah. what you think or what you want to do. Um, and it sounds like you have been writing more I think you said a little earlier that you know there there are other songs that you've been working on so obviously the journey continues yeah I think it will for the foreseeable time I mean I just when I look at my life at the moment um, it's probably the happiest I've ever been right now and I don't really want to change it right now but Sometime down the future, um, I probably will abandon music at some stage, whether it's in 10 years or 15 years or whatever it might be. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you may know yourself well enough as an artist to just trust that moment when it comes, that it's, it's just like it's arrived. Yeah. I mean, there was there's a great um, – I have his – I have his um, uh, one of his lines from one of his poems from uh, – it's from 1874, a poet called Arthur Rimbaud. Are you familiar? The French poet? Yes. Um, he had a his poem called A Season in Hell. And the last line of it is uh, in French, it's, um, you know, possess truth in a single body and soul. But I have it tattooed on my arm in in the French manuscript from his. And um, he gave away, he was probably one of the greatest poets to ever live in my estimations. I mean, he gave away his poetry at such a young age to become a gun runner in Ethiopia, just kind of turned his back on art and, you know, poetry more broadly and became a man of the world, as he as he put it in that particular poem. And there is something attractive about that, just to kind of close a door on your life and just to do something completely new and completely different. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I would suggest that you have a career in prose writing ahead of you if you want to. <laughs> Just Instead you of becoming a gun runner in Ethiopia. <laughs> well, you could try it. There would be stories there to document. <laughs> so I'm wondering out of the um the songs on, on the album, are there any that you actually left off? Like or did you conceive of this album as a whole? Like once you had a certain number of songs, you thought, all right, these all belong together. I'm not writing any more at the moment. No, no, no. It was there was probably about 30 or 40 songs that I didn't record. Uh there was a lot of songs. Um and the the selection process for that was really um, whether they're good enough or not. Like I kind of, I kind of, it's it's not like a real super conscious thing, but I just think you know what are kind of my A pluses or you know what are my A's here and what will kind of fit together on a record because um, some songs they don't really seem to fit into what how I picture a um, an album to kind of be. I think it, an album's so different to an EP or a single or whatever. It's kind of a complete story. It's got a mm-hmm. kind of, you know, we're talking about before about classical narrative, you know, a beginning, a middle, and an end. And I felt like that's kind of what I wanted to do with the record. And some stories just didn't fit in that, you know. Um, 
or they were kind of had a similar moral to some of the stories, like the moral in a song like Crazy Jane. I felt like there was another song I wrote called The uh, the Coal Miner and the Lady, and that was kind of a real um, narrative song from a similar kind of historical time period, that kind of aesthetic. Um, but I felt like the moral was a little bit similar, so I thought, oh, well, maybe I'll choose Crazy Jane over The Coal Miner and the Lady. So it was just... It was just really that, I guess. I mean, down the line, will I record some of those songs? Uh, maybe, maybe one or two, but mm-hmm. I, I assume most of them will be discarded. Do you see discarded songs as sort of a necessary part of the process that you have to get some songs out of the way in order to get to the songs that you actually commit to recording? Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, uh, one of my favorite songwriters, Nick Cave. Um, he had this great quote in an interview I watched many, many years ago. He said, um, you know, sometimes you have to, you know, for the for the calves to, to cross the stream, you have to send a few down the road for the alligators for the others to get through. And that's kind of like what it is with songs. Some get kind of sacrificed down river to the alligators and the rest kind of get through, you know. A rather visceral um, image, but yes, I understand. <laughs> Look, I could keep you talking about about your work for a long time, but you know, you you have an evening to get to, so I am going to uh, close actually by asking about your radio show, Hell or High Water, on Voice FM in Ballarat. So that for ten years you have been doing this, that is yep. a real commitment. Are you over it yet? Um, so I've I clocked up five hundred shows this year. Um. And uh, am I over it? Um, I think the part of it I'm over, Sophie, to be honest, is travelling to Ballarat every week because it's in Ballarat. I live in Melbourne. So I jump on a train every Tuesday to do the program live in Ballarat in the studio because, you know, not dissimilar to my music and the fact that I have vinyl records behind me and I love books. I kind of, I'm a bit of an analogue person. I like to... um, you know, actually be present to, you know, to actually sit in the room and to do it rather than, you know, dialing it in, sending in a recording and, you know, it being played out over the airwaves. I actually like to be in the studio to be present to actually, because I think there's a, there's a greater power in actually being live, I think as well, perhaps mm-hmm. that's my view on it. Um, so whilst I would like um, to perhaps, um not have to travel to Ballarat every week. Um, there is something about having a radio program that allows me so much freedom, particularly at this station because I've been there for so long. I pretty much play whatever music I want to play. Um, you know, like two weeks ago, I had a metal band in, local metal band from from Ballarat. Um, and they, I played a few of their tunes. And then I spent the rest of the two hours playing like all this extreme metal that i love that i don't play very often like sadistic execution and mayhem and morbid angel and all this kind of stuff um and i can do that i can do whatever i want then last week i played um you know i played a a lot of like kind of country music and folk and blues music so um i love the freedom of it um but if there's anyone uh in melbourne community radio that wants to hire me for a show i'd also be happy to do that (laughs) <laughs> well, consider it advertised <laughs> for the time being. Uh, people can find your album for the term of my natural life. Uh, Matt Malone, it has been so interesting to talk to you. Thank you for your time. 
Thank you so much, Sophie. Thanks for listening to the Sunburnt Country Music Podcast. For more Australian country music interviews and reviews and other things, go to sunburntcountrymusic.com or to Sunburnt Country Music on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok.